you're listening to Utterly Nonsense. And hey, if you're a regular or long-time listener, I'd just like to say thank you. We appreciate it very much. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on Spotify, or whichever platform you're listening to this from. Subscribe, follow, whichever it is. And uh, post a review, if possible. Feedback helps us improve, helps us stay motivated to keep working at it. And uh, check out the YouTube channel. Sometimes we post clips and extra content that may not be in the regular podcast, so give it a look. And without further ado, let's get into it. We got a lot to talk about this time because there has been a bunch going on and i think maybe the central theme of all the things we'll be covering is how fan or audience response shapes all these different media franchises and things that we see happening because in the world of social media the companies are really seeing you know people's responses to what they're putting out and i think it actually makes a difference well i know for a fact that it does and, um, yeah, that could be a good thing, and that could be a bad thing, and we will talk about it. You know, I think it's worth mentioning just how relatively new it is for fan criticism to actually mean anything. You know, like, um, for the longest time, if you really wanted to complain about a movie or talk shit about a TV series, all you could really do was talk to your friends or, like, send a letter to the mail company or to the <laughs> – I said mail company – Send a letter to the uh, studio, to whoever, just basically expressing your discontent or your, like, actual enjoyment of the whole thing. Did they actually read them? Who knows? I, I doubt it. But uh, but again, we, like, we never really existed in, during that time period, so who knows? Well, outside of sales, I know comic books used to have a lot of mail-in things where they would actually, uh, like, answer people's questions and the issues. They'd put it on, like, the back cover. Yeah, I mean, that... Uh, that does remind me of this one famous Batman comic arc, which uh, you'll probably know what I'm talking about in a sec. Mm-hmm. Um, there was basically a mail-in letter, and this was probably like 2005. So before really this modern age of social media, I think MySpace and uh, Friendster were probably around by that point. But uh, for the most part, people did not have much of an online presence. So famously, Jason Todd is like one of the most famously died and came back to life stories in the history of comics. Like... <laughs> Uh, you, you have this character who was like just this most hated Robin. He was the second Robin after Dick Grayson, who's the infamous Robin. Um, and, you know, famously, he was hated by the fan community um, to the point that they basically gave fans the choice on whether to kill him off or let him remain and keep going in this one comic arc called A Death in the Family. So, you know, the fan This was way before MySpace or anything like that. This was in 1988. Was it really that? Okay, I thought it was yeah. 2005. It might have been under the Red Hood, right? Um, yes, I okay. think so. And the, the it voted via a call-in number. Okay. A 1-900 number. So, I mean, that's how fans sort of express themselves before social media. Um, for anyone who's not familiar, they killed off Jason Todd in this one comic, brought him back as the Red Hood. 
Yeah, I think everyone pretty much knows I, that at this point. I, th- I think for the most part, yeah. But if uh, we have too many people who are listening who may not be as familiar with the comics, who might be more familiar with the sci-fi aspect of the podcast, you know, it's important to bring that in, especially since we're covering a wide breadth here. Well, I mean, you've had Arkham Knight, which had, you know, explored that story. And like you said, Under the Red Hood, the uh, well, there was the comic arc. And then, yeah, yeah of course, had the um, animated adaptation. And who knows if they'll go that route in Titans. I'm assuming they're going to kill him off at some point. (laughs) I wouldn't be shocked if they did. Kill him off, quote unquote. Yeah. Okay, so how does social media play into all this? So the weekend of November 8th, we had released the Snyder Cut trending once again on the Twitter because Jason Momoa, the Aquaman himself had tweeted, you know, one of the um, usual black and white images from the Snyder Cut. This time it was of him actually skewering Steppenwolf with his uh, trident. And, you know, Uh, he just said hashtag release the Snyder Cut. And so that got it trending on Twitter. And, you know, Instagram, actually. Um, No, no, it was on Twitter, too. Well, He posted on on Instagram, but it was trending on Twitter. Yeah, but you said he posted on Twitter, which would imply that he... I said Instagram. I think I said Instagram. You absolutely said Twitter, and it was killing me when you said it. Okay, well, audience, uh, you go back and you see which one of us is telling the truth. (laughs) Jason Momoa, the Aquaman himself, had tweeted, you know, one of the, um, had tweeted, had tweeted, 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 liar, plants for hire. Yeah, so he posted it to Instagram. It eventually caught wind on Twitter because, of course, it did. You know, the fan community is nothing if not persistent. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. We've spoken a lot about release of the Snyder Cut in the past. We've talked a lot about the hashtag. We've basically made a video every time it's trended on Twitter. So I, I feel like we should give some background to the whole thing just to, first of all, pat out the runtime of the podcast, but to you know let people who might not be as familiar with the whole controversy, I wouldn't even call it a controversy, the whole story behind this whole thing. Yeah, so for anyone who doesn't know, which at this point, if you don't know, are you under a rock? Are you in a cave? Were you just lost in the Speed Force? Justice League came out, and as we know, Zack Snyder was taken off the project when he had most of the film done already, and then the studio got in Joss Whedon, they reshot a bunch of the scenes, they had to get Henry Cavill back from doing Mission Impossible, and he had the, you know, he had his mustache, and he was contractually obligated to not shave it, like, it wasn't allowed that he could do that, so they had to invest all this money into CGIing off his mustache, which turned out terrible even though there's so many deep fake videos on the internet now which are done you know they're done pretty much easily i'm gonna say and a studio with millions of dollars could probably take one of that but i don't know if there's any kind of proprietary software rights involved in that anyway the movie came out sucked a lot of people didn't like it and a lot of people really wanted to see what Zack Snyder's original vision for it was because he was the one they hired to do this whole trilogy of films to kind of start off this whole DC extended universe on film. He's the one who set the tone and everyone wants to see what he really had in store because the movie, um, it's, it's, it's also been, it's also come out that Warner Brothers also mandated the movie had to be cut down below two hours. So a lot of what he filmed was cut out, you know, wasn't finished. But now uh, we know it's there. We know it's done. Jason Momoa himself said in an interview, I've seen it. It's finished. And like, and the uh, guy interviewing asked him, he, he said, but uh, um, aren't the special effects still not done? And Jason Momoa, he didn't like directly confirm, but he said, oh, you think he couldn't, you think he couldn't do that? You think he couldn't get that done? So he seemed to imply that somehow 
Snyder was able to pull all the strings necessary, and he has a completed version of the film. And so that's why it trended then, and now it's trending again, or it was, um, like two days ago or a day ago as of uh, recording this, because Gal Gadot, who was Wonder Woman, posted on Instagram. She posted another screenshot, said it released the Snyder Cut, then put it on Twitter, then Ben Affleck said it. Then um, Zack Snyder himself retweeted those, and then we had everyone getting in on it. We had Ray Fisher, Cyborg, we had Joe uh, Manganiello, Deathstroke, um, Jeremy Irons, who was Alfred, Rob Liefeld, the creator of Deadpool, Kevin Smith, um, who else? Uh, Michael Rosenbaum uh, replied to Kevin Smith's post. Who am I missing here? The guy that played uh, Black Manta in Aquaman uh, tweeted it. David, yeah, David Ayer, Dave Batista. Everyone is getting in on it now. The world knows, and all these media outlets are reporting, like New York Times and all this stuff, and different TV channels. I've seen screenshots posted. So the word is really out. It got like what 750,000 tweets about it. That was uh, what the trend was showing. 750,000 tweets over the course of a day. I'm sure it's more this. by now. Yeah, it's worth mentioning, like with uh, Ray Fisher who played Cyborg. Um, <laughs> The only tweet on his account currently is release the Snyder Cut with that black and white frame. Um, like, so it, it just shows how desired it is just among the cast and crew and just among the fan base, you know. Um, so why did they hire Joss Whedon in the first place? Um, we mentioned Avengers. Think, yeah, well, that was part of the reason. But I meant why did they hire someone other than Zack Snyder? Um, so first of all, uh the story is that Zack Snyder, uh, I believe he lost his daughter right around the time um, that they announced the cast or they announced the uh, uh, hiring of Joss Whedon. Um, by that point, it was sort of revealed that they had shot about 90 percent of the film. Basically, everything that Joss Whedon was hired for was reshoots. So why hire Joss Whedon in the first place? You probably know this already if you're listening to this, but uh so the prior DC Extended Universe films, which were Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, and Suicide Squad, all received sort of mixed negative reviews. Um, the fan community was sort of divided on it. I- I'd say more of the diehard comic fans were more in favor of some of these movies than uh, more casual viewers. Critics were not happy with any of them, really. Wonder Woman did well, though. Yeah, Wonder Woman did well. Oh, yeah, I guess that did come before uh, Justice League, didn't it? Uh, yeah, that was like yeah. the one thing where everyone was like, oh, wow, a good movie. It's so great. And I was like, oh, you know, it's it's good. It's it's it's, it's like a amazing. generic Marvel movie, basically. Uh, yeah, but without being too Marvel-y. Yeah, no, it's it's I think still probably a little bit darker than the standard Marvel offering. But and so here's the reason really why they went with Joss Whedon and they went in this direction. Because of the criticism that surrounded these movies, them being too dark, too edgy, too deep, which, you know, some people were making. I, I think that's just sort of the loudest point that really came out of the whole thing. Um, I don't even know if that's necessarily true, that they were too dark or too moody or too. Uh, Warner Brothers did this yeah. exact same thing when Green Lantern came out and they thought that the biggest problem with it was the tone. Because that's when they went full. That's why they hired Zack Snyder because they said, okay, we tried the lighter tone with Green Lantern and that didn't work out for absolutely no other reasons. It was definitely just the tone why that movie didn't work out. So let's hire Zack Snyder to do a dark tone like the Dark Knight trilogy, which we know was successful. So that's how this all got started. Warner Brothers is so tone deaf. They're just so blind. As Michael Rosenbaum said, do they even listen to anyone? That's what he tweeted. 
And well, I agree. And here's, and here's the thing. Uh, Wonder Woman did do really well. It grossed a ridiculous amount of money at the box office relative to its budget. It was like, I think the highest grossing female led franchise at like ever at that point. Um, so it, it goes to sort of support the Warner Brothers delusion that a lighter tone is what audiences want, that uh, just automatically making a lighter movie is more family friendly. It's going to please the critics. Um, it is worth mentioning that, like, looking at the Rotten Tomato scores, um, Ju- uh, Justice League actually did have a higher rating than both Suicide Squad and uh, Batman v Superman. This, I, 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 I don't think that necessarily proves anything, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wonder Woman's just simpler. It just has a simpler story. Like Man of Steel, you have all these big themes with the, the whole history of this planet and the, you know, the, the the politics going on there. And then, of course, you know, Clark growing up and trying to figure out who he is, whether he can trust the world and all of the uh, parallels to him being, you know, a savior-like figure. And then him having to choose, you know, which world do I save? Do, do I let Krypton try to restart or, you know, Earth? And then, uh, you know, Dawn of Justice, of course, had a lot of themes and a lot of plot threads that weren't continued. And, and then, of course, uh, Suicide Squad was all over the place. So it wasn't the tone that's the issue. It's just getting a, a focus, getting a straight focus sure. on like a singular story point. But, you know, it doesn't always have to be simple. Again, that's that's not always the major issue with these things. So the thing is, Snyder did sort of have an inconsistent track record before any of these movies came out. Um, you know, I, I think most of his movies did have mixed reviews. Uh, 300, Dawn of the Dead, uh, Watchmen, of course. But I liked all of those. <laughs> yeah, so did I. But again, like, I, I'm just trying to speak um, collectively here. They all sort of had mixed reviews going in. That being said... Snyder did have sort of lofty ambitions. He did want to make a more complex movie that clearly didn't jive with what Warner Brothers wanted later on down the line. What would have if the money was there or if they thought the money was there to them? They only see dollar signs. They don't care about story. I mean, they're a big company. That's what they're all like. Like every single company that's handled Terminator, which we will get to, has only made sequels exclusively to make money and sell it as a brand. It was never about doing the right story. Right. So I think you could say that uh, even Suicide Squad that early on was sort of a course correction, you know, um, like it, it was a much simpler movie than I, I think Man of Steel or uh, Batman v Superman ever was. And, you know, I, I think for the most part, uh, just given the fandom surrounding like Harley Quinn and given how much merchandise they sold, sold uh, during that whole thing, it, it, it did pay to sort of go that simpler route. They thought it would be more fan pleasing. The fact is, if you had had one defined vision, like if you had had uh, Joss Whedon directing it from the first place, it probably would have been a better movie. If you had had Zack Snyder actually complete his version and have that released theatrically, it probably would have been a better movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think the real reason why release the Snyder Cut has received so much attention and uh, the reason why fans have been calling for it is because we knew that a better version of that movie had to exist. We knew that basically anyone with a singular vision could have made a better movie than that. Yeah, I mean, we could have. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Or at least mind. written it better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think regardless of what you think of Zack Snyder as a person, regardless of whether you even like superhero movies or not, like you have to at least agree that if the person was hired to create this whole thing from the beginning and he had a specific vision that was intended, that was all rewritten at the last minute, like that's not right we should be able to see what was actually intended from the start. Remember, it's just like with the Richard Donner cut for Superman 2. Richard Donner was hired to direct Superman 1 
and two. And he had a whole story um, planned for both movies. And he had actually was was filming them back to back and had done about, I think, half of Superman 2 until they replaced him. And then they redid a bunch of things and the ending was changed. Originally, the ending of 2 was supposed to be the one where he flies around the earth and turns back time. Not one. That wasn't supposed to happen in the first movie. So I really hope that it doesn't take another, what, 26 years or however long it was for the Donner Cut to come out for us to get the Snyder Cut. But considering we have the Justice League members themselves, among others, coming out to support this, I think Warner Brothers has to cave. They have to. You're losing money by not releasing it now. Come on. Yeah, no, I I think... uh... While the demand's high here, and I think while the demand is growing, like now is the time to release this thing. You know, um, it's as clear I said fans, on Twitter. Yeah, I uh, what was it? Twitter on November eighth. Clocks ticking. Yeah, seventy retweets on that, or seventy likes. It was oh, like fifty retweets. Nice. That's yeah, that's really good. That's like probably one of your most uh, retweeted, liked, most engaged. I guess uh, tweets. Yeah, it today. actually <laughs> got uh, retweeted by the one of the released the Snyder Cut Twitter pages that has like seventeen thousand followers. Or does it have more? I don't know. It it has a bunch, and it's like the main one. Right. Well, that's so, awesome. Yeah, that, that was cool. Yeah. Okay. So, what was I saying? Oh yeah, how could they release this? Um. So first of all, apparently, like I've heard varying numbers. Apparently, like ninety percent of the Principal photography was finished under Snyder's watch. Um, there's probably a lot more footage that could support the cut that was shot while Hot Sweden was in power. So it would really just take a good editor and a decent visual effects team to really bring this thing to fruition. Um, apparently, the cut already does exist in some form. I, I think it was uh, Jason Momoa who initially said, I've seen the cut. It's real. It's yep. awesome. Watch it. Um mm-hmm. So it's really just a matter of distribution, as far as I can tell. Like I, I and I, I think they could release it direct to video, and fans would probably like go for it. They, they, if there's really no more money to invest in it beyond distribution, I, I can't imagine there's going to be too much of a loss on that. Yeah, I see people saying it would be a good way to sell the new HBO Max thing. It would yeah. be to release it on there, but I mean, come on, you got to release it on video too. Well, I'd say DC Universe is the obvious choice. Yeah, that too. But yeah, I mean, even if they released it theatrically, I think there's enough of a demand that they could make their money back on it, you know? Yeah, and the thing is, like, this is this was like our one chance to get a Justice League movie that we've been waiting for for how long? I don't know. I always wanted to see a Justice League film before Avengers. It just ha- so happened that Avengers came out first. And, you know, th- that was I was really hyped for that, and it was great when it came out. And so now it's time for the DC heroes to get their shot, and... Instead of getting something grand like Avengers was, we get we got this, and it just doesn't feel right. It feels like it's a a wound that hasn't been closed yet, something that's unresolved. We need closure. Well, it's like you got to think about it from Warner Brothers' perspective to some extent, right? Like you know, they saw how widely popular and widely successful the Marvel Cinematic Universe was. And they clearly rushed through their foundational films to try to get to the team up movie. And unfortunately, it just didn't come out anywhere near as well as uh, fans would have expected. Uh, mm-hmm. So it begs the question, why waste that entire investment? If they really spent all this time and money like putting this thing together, wouldn't it be a no brainer to release this finished cut to the public? Like if it does go over better, if it does become a more popular film, then they could actually continue on with this world they've sort of started to create, and they could course correct and actually probably may still salvage this universe at, with this being the official cut. 
And I, I think ultimately that's what fans want. You know, fans actually do like the way these characters have been portrayed. I think everyone's been relatively happy with the casting choices so far and with a lot of the creative decisions for the most part. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people liked Henry Cavill as Superman. A lot of people liked Batfleck, despite all the disparaging remarks about him initially. I think everyone likes Wonder Woman. Yep. Um, uh, a lot of people liked the, the uh, Ezra Miller Flash. Loved Ezra. A lot of people yeah. like Jason Momoa Aquaman. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cyborg, he he didn't even really get a chance, though, because his whole backstory was going to be told in the Justice League movie, and it was all cut out. So it's like, for that reason alone, the Snyder Cut should exist. I mean, it should be released because, you know, we have a whole character here, a whole actor was promised this whole arc, and he didn't get it. They just dumped it. Like, what do we even get? We just see him talking to his dad in, like, a room. And that's all the build-up for him that we get. Otherwise, he's just... Yeah, otherwise, he's just, like, their USB drive that they put into the mother box at the end. (laughs) That's about all the function he serves. They had a whole story with with him in high school playing football. They showed his family. It's like, we need to get that. Come on. So, I I mean, I will say, like, just given how much time has passed since uh, the original screening of Justice League, uh, since the theatrical cut was released, we have had, like, two separate cyborg origin stories just between Titans and Young Justice. So it's not, like, as big of a draw now, but... uh... (laughs) Uh, it, it, you know, it would be worth exploring if that was part of Snyder's vision. It would have given his whole uh, creation and his whole presence in the film a little more impact than just being a, a, essentially a living MacGuffin, you know? Yeah, that's the whole thing with this newer version of Cyborg, because as of the new 52, he was all based on, like, the mother box and apocalypse technology instead of just being, you know, a guy who was in an accident and then was reconstructed with technology. Yeah. It's, you know, it has a more alien element to it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I think that's really all we can really say about the Snyder Cut. Uh, release you know, it, damn it. Yeah, now. exactly. Hashtag release the Snyder Cut. Hashtag or very soon, at yeah, least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, a lot of good has come from the movement, like the whole um, support for uh, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, because they ran campaigns for San Diego Comic-Con and New York Comic-Con to get donations to actually put up billboards and screens on, like, Times Square and have pl- uh, planes flying with the banner. Uh, that's you know that also released the Snyder Cut. So the, um, there was an organized campaign to make these things happen, and half of the donation money went to this uh, this charity. So it's like there's there's nothing bad about this. Sure, you might have some people in it who suck, as a, with all things. There might be some you know people in social media who are annoying, but you can't take that to represent the majority. You got to look at the impact it's having on a broad scale and from my point of view it's all good man it's all good yeah spot on so i mean this does go to sort of support the larger point we made at the very beginning of this podcast twitter and its impact on movies so we talked about this back in april when a certain trailer came out of a fast blue thing that uh, a lot of people took issue with and because of that there has been a change made. What am I talking about? Sonic! Sonic the Hedgehog. I gotta say, I just wish we had Paris on for this one, because he, like, completely lost his shit over that first trailer, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, quite the sight to behold, to say the least. I, I mean, you got, like, 
so I mean, I'm sure we covered all these points in that initial podcast. It's been a while since I've listened to it, so maybe uh, this is just rehashing the whole thing. But uh, yeah, I actually re-listened to it, and yeah, we 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 hit all the marks. I think we got like everything I said needed to be altered was altered, aside from the blue arms. But I- I'm okay with the blue arms. So first of all, it's not like a shot for shot, like identical version of Sonic that we're used to from the games, from the modern interpretations that have been like more. Uh, I don't even know if you'd call that computer generated because I think they've all been computer generated. But you know, you know the animation style I'm talking about, where it's more like clearly 3D model. That's sort yeah, of yeah, yeah, per- yeah. Ever since Sonic um, Adventure, since yeah, it went yeah, 3D, yeah. yeah. Um, so it, it's a definitely a different version of Sonic. This new one we saw in uh, last week's trailer. I think it came out last week. It, it, I'm honestly losing track of time. I completely forgot how long ago it was since that yeah, trailer it was, it was, was about released. A week ago. And, you know, I can't stop watching it. <laughs> no, it's actually, like, a really well-done trailer. It's, like, a complete 180 from the last version, you know? So, first of all, I gotta say, I have no idea what exec gave the okay to that first version. It, it, like, that first trailer, you know, it, I, I think if it weren't Sonic, it might have been okay. If it were just some generic speedster cartoon character, okay, I could live with this. Speedy Gonzalez. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, there's an idea for a movie. <laughs> haven't have they not done it already uh i'm sure they've like they made a lot of looney tunes movies but i think a speedy gonzalez spinoff would have been a hmm. interesting well they are doing space jam too right so maybe he'll appear yeah. in that <laughs> yeah it wouldn't shock me so yeah the first version I, you have to wonder why they would even make it a sonic the hedgehog movie if they were just going to completely change the character and basically like i, I as far as i know there was really no mention to his actual origin in that first trailer, as far as no, I know. There wasn't. Um, yeah, so why even why even include any of that? Yeah, I, I don't like even... By all indications, to start with, it was, you know, the weird humanoid-looking not-Sonic thing. It took place in, like, the real quote-unquote world, and uh, Robotnik looked nothing like he did in the game. And, Except and, at the very end of the trailer, yeah. Yeah, and I read about it. There was very little, if any, references to like anything from the games. Yeah. So well, the new trailer takes that, flips it upside down, just like the Stranger Things world, except we're not in the dark anymore. We're in the light because it's looking good. Yeah, apparently the whole reason they included that very last frame in the first trailer of uh, Jim Carrey as the bald, big mustache Robotnik was really just because there were no references to this character. So yeah. he, he basically resembled him so little in the main uh, shots that uh, they literally had to include that just to justify putting the character in the movie at all. Mm-hmm. So it's worth mentioning that they did backtrack a lot with this one. They basically took everything the fans said on Twitter and completely changed it to sort of match this new, uh, I, I, I guess, it's not even really a new archetype. It's just like, you know, they gave fans what they wanted. They sort of went back to the games and really made as accurate as they could of a movie. Uh, I, I feel like I'm getting tongue-tied here, but you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah, and the reason that is, is because they actually got a guy who has been working on Sonic for a long time. He's done illustrations for the comics. He's done animations for the games, I believe, like character art for that. And he actually worked on the tie-in cartoon episodes for Sonic Mania, which was released last year, I think. And uh, yeah, his name is Tyson Hess. And they, so they got this guy to redo the design. And of course, he actually started out as just doing like fan art for Sonic. So it's like, yeah, 
why didn't they get him to begin with? Of course he's going to know what he's doing. And sure enough, Sonic has the correct proportions. He has the gloves. He has the right shoes. He has the big eyes. They're not connected like they are, you know, in all the games. But I think that would actually look really weird in the uh, live action movie. It looked like some kind of just, you know, singular globulous thing in the center of his head so i'm fine with the eyes being separated Um, but it's worth mentioning that they did go to great length to make this version of the character as close to the video games as close to the fan perception as they possibly could yeah and he just looks more expressive yeah exactly he looks more i i I don't even want to say uncanny valley because it's not uncanny valley it's not it's not like they well they did try to make him more humanoid, more realistic in the first trailer, and that clearly didn't work. It clearly looked off. Yeah, that's um, why it was uncanny. Well, now exactly. you can clearly tell, you know, he's like a cartoony thing, and it, it's good. It works. And yep. you actually hear the Sonic music in the trailer. You hear the Green Hill Zone actually remixed. Let the plate Sonic. Let the pitcher's mount also Sonic. Ugh, I can't with that guy. Yeah, and that that was another thing that was sort of on my mind, especially while watching this new trailer, just how they completely changed the music, too. Um, Gangsta's Paradise. Yeah, no more. Ga- yeah, get that I, out of here. What was even like, that so look, to? It, it flows decently with the trailer. It's not a Knuckles movie. I, I wasn't even against it in the initial trailer, but it was something that fans like lost their shit about online for some reason. Um so the fact that they actually did sort of make all the music sort of relevant to the character threw in sort of an 8-bit thing like throughout these various uh, parts of the soundtrack. It, it just goes to show that fans did have a positive impact on this movie, that fans did have a positive impact on the marketing for this movie. Yeah, like I know Jim Carrey said that artists shouldn't be beholden totally to, you know, fan reaction and that, I don't know, he said something along the lines of that, you know, artists shouldn't just cave to people's I, I, reactions. I, I question but if, look, I mean, listen, Jim okay. Carrey... Let me let me talk to you right here. Can you honestly look at that design of Sonic and call that art? Can you really compare that to the original art of the original Sonic design and say that that did not need to be just completely deleted from everyone's memory immediately? Like, come on, man. Like, I get what well, he's saying. Look. But in this case, no. Just no. You have to wonder how much creative control the artists, quote unquote, actually had behind this uh, uh, initial version of the trailer. You know, like I have to think that most of that, most of the creative decisions, most of the major creative decisions to sort of make Sonic more humanoid, more I don't know how else you describe them, must have come from the studio. I, I can't imagine the director, the visual effects team. I I can't imagine that was like anyone's first choice, you know, who was actually involved with the creation of the character. No, and I saw this video. I don't know how valid it was because I didn't check sources, but I'll just talk about it anyway. Um, it was describing how the director, uh, what's his name? Jeff Fowler? Is that the director? Sounds right. I would not know him offhand, but... Uh... Yeah, I I know it's someone who's relatively new to the whole thing. Hold on, Jeff Fowler. Let's check. Yes, yes, he is the director. Um, him and and Tim Miller has some involvement on this. I'm not sure what, but um, they both were not in favor of this whole direction that Paramount was mandating for some reason, and I know Sega wasn't either. 
or at least that was the rumor that, you know, Sega wasn't happy with it, not the director wasn't happy with it. So when everybody came out and reacted the way they did, they all felt validated and they really pushed for Paramount to actually just go back and fix this crap. And they did. They listened. And we have to give them credit because they actually did something good. Warner Brothers, take freaking notes on this. <laughs> and another thing we see is um, Sonic actually running through Green Hill Zone towards the beginning. And he throws a ring and goes through it like a portal, which is exactly how you get to the special stages in the original Sonic game. And I think that's the only one where a ring acts like a portal. Is, you know, at the very end of all the stages, you would jump in the air and there'd be a ring there. And then you end up in the special stage. So... Really cool reference. Yeah, no, it's a lot of like really just nice Easter eggs and uh, throughout the second trailer. Um, yeah. And Jim Carrey is just great. He acts like Eggman. That's how Eggman acts. Yeah, very eccentric. Yeah, and I, I think and yelling at his, at his assistants. I just thought you might like a latte with steamed Austrian goat milk. Of course, I want a latte. I love the way you make them. And, and I mean, you can fully see why they cast Jim Carrey in the role, even if it is Jim Carrey being Jim Carrey, like. You know, that that I think is something that fans want to see. You know, it's very much that energy. (laughs) Also, does anyone else think it's kind of funny how Jim Carrey, who is Robotnik, is arguing in favor of the ugly Sonic? Yeah, sort of odd. (laughs) It's because he hates Sonic. Give me a big fat break. So earlier today, I actually saw this... um, Sonic wasn't trending, but uh, I did see a few tweets basically making reference to how much the budget increased because of this uh, change. So the movie's budget went up apparently $35 million to accommodate for this uh, new change to the character. And, you know, it wasn't like a huge budget to begin with. I think it was $95 million or maybe $95 million. Is what the, I, I just remember seeing that somewhere. Fact is that, like, you know, they're putting a major financial investment into completely changing this character design. The least fans can do is go see this movie and support the creative team for actually, like, helping us out and, like, really listening to what we had to say. You know, this has to set a precedent for how movies have to be carried out in the future. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Like, it may be costing them more money now, but I think it will pay off in the long run. I think because of this, more people will, in fact, go out to see it than they would have. I think this movie would have bombed. Like I yeah, just it probably would have yeah. All predictions out. I think it would have bombed if they kept with this design and it came out now. But yeah. now that you know they've actually listened to people, I think people will appreciate that. It actually looks like Sonic because Sonic is almost thirty years old. Let's not forget his design has been around and has been in the conscious mind for a very long time. So now that he actually you know resembles that, I think even more people of you know even older generations will come out and see it. Okay, so moving on. So. Speaking of things that would bomb in November, Terminator Dark Fate. Let's talk about this. Did you actually see it yet? Because I know you had uh, waited a little bit. I elected not to because originally I was going to go see it with uh, my brother. Like we had planned to see it way back when we were talking about it in the summer and then he changed his mind he said yeah i actually changed my mind i'm not going to i read some things about it because you know he always reads about movie ahead of time i don't know why but he did so that got me thinking and so i decided to read a little bit about it and then i came into some spoilers which weren't really because i suspected them from the very beginning if you go back and watch our review of the first trailer 
um, you'll see that basically everything I predicted came to pass, and that's that's not what I wanted to happen. Well, okay, so here's the thing. Um, Dark Fate was being billed as a direct sequel to Judgment Day, as if uh, Genesis and Salvation and uh, Rise of the Machines even just had no precedent on this film whatsoever and were just completely irrelevant to the final product. Um, and that this was basically the end of this official original trilogy, effectively. It wasn't actually going to be the end of this trilogy. They said, once again, like it's they said back with Genesis, they said, yeah. this will start a new trilogy, more movies. And that was the same idea when they began with Terminator 3, the same idea when they began with Salvation, and then Genesis. Why? Because each and every time it's been a new sequel, the rights to the franchise has been sold to a new party. I, actually, I think it was the same one for Genesis and Dark Fate, but, you know, they decided to restart anyway. But as I said before, each and every time it was not done because, oh, somebody handed us a really good story. Let's make this. It'll be good. It was always because they wanted to sell it as a brand. They wanted to make money. And it, it kind of shows. And some of it. I, I know I've said... Salvation, I thought was pretty good, and Terminator Three, I don't hate. You know, I I understand some problems people have with it, but like I said, if they were going to logically continue the series in any way, I thought that movie did it fine. You see, Judgment Day happen, things get off, well, and then Salvation was the beginning of the war, and we should have gotten the Future War movie, which is how Genesis starts. You see the Future War, and it looks all right, and they could have made a movie about that and had the ending of that movie. B, seeing the Arnold Terminator go back to 1984, and that would be the right conclusion for the franchise. But that's not what we got. Instead, we got a kick in the head. So here's the th here's the thing, right? Um, any of the you're right. Like any of these movies could have functionally been a continuation on the series, as opposed to like soft reboots. But you know that does open up the possibility of plot holes and whatever. First of all, I will say I actually did see Dark Fate and I, personally, and I understand why you would disagree with this if you haven't seen uh, any of the more recent films or if you're really stuck on the original trilogy. Mm -hmm. or I, I don't even know if you could really call it an the original, original trilogy since they're ignoring. Uh, yeah, whatever. Um, so Dark Fate, I think, is probably the best movie in the franchise since Judgment Day. I, I think really it, it, it's. You know, even if you don't consider it to be a direct sequel, since it did sort of drastically alter some of the ongoing themes from Judgment Day. I'm going to have to disagree um, with you, but I'll, I'll explain why after. Go ahead. I, I think it, it flowed really well. I think tonally it was very similar and kept in a lot of the same vibes from Judgment Day and from the original Terminator. And I think aside from the way they handled the whole John Connor thing, you know, it, it was actually a really well-made movie. And I think Tim Miller did a fantastic job in the role. I think visually it was one of the best movies we've seen really ever in the franchise since Judgment Day, you know? Yeah, sorry. Uh, go ahead. All right. I'll, now I'll say my piece. <clears throat> Tim Miller is an idiot, and he doesn't understand Terminator! Now, let me explain. Okay. So, as you may Make have... shit over my opinions. <laughs> as you may have read by now, if you haven't already... I know you're not going to see this movie if you haven't yet, so I won't even say spoilers. So, John Connor, within the first two minutes, 
This is taking place, I think, maybe a couple or a few years after the end of T2. And as we know, T2... It, take, it, uh, it takes place in 1997, which is when yeah. the original... Or 98, whenever uh, the original Judgment Day was supposed to happen. Um, I, I forget if it's like right after I think it was 98, Judgment so it was Day, after but, uh, the Judgment Day was supposed to orig- originally happen in the first timeline. Yeah. So, you know, they go through that whole thing in Terminator 2. Protect Don Connor, save the future, prevent the future. All right, we did it. Eliminate the last Terminator because, you know, you'd leave no evidence behind and all that. All right, everything was closed off. There wasn't supposed to be anything else. But okay, they want there to be more. Okay. So, this movie opens. First thing you see, Sarah Connor, John Connor on vacation at the beach, normal day, when another Arnold comes up and just... (gasps) (laughs) Goodbye, John Connor, dead, everything gone, completely eliminated. Why? Because according to Tim Miller, the story was always about Sarah Connor and John Connor's time is over and he doesn't like Chosen One stories. So what does he do? He makes it another Chosen One story! Where is his self-awareness? The entire thing is just a new Chosen One. It's the same story as T2. Protector from the future. Sarah Connor's there. Blah, 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 you know, machines taking over, except it's not Skynet, it's this other thing, but with worse Terminators, they don't even have guns now. Explain that. And, you know, it's just the same story, but you changed it from boy to girl. Why? Why would you do this? Why would you just destroy the ending of T2 just to replace it with the same thing but girl? It's like the same problem I had with The Last Jedi. You assassinate the character of Luke, in my opinion, but you don't really replace it with anything new. I was excited in the trailer when he said time for the Jedi to end because that hinted at a new precedent or we'd find some kind of new middle ground and not just have the dichotomy of dark and light. But no, the ending is just the same thing, dark and light. And the ending of this movie is just the same thing. Savior, chosen one, blah, blah, blah. You changed nothing. It's all the same. We we just renamed everything. Okay, you done? You done ranting? Um, talk. (laughs) Let me think. What else is there? Yeah, and also... I think he doesn't really understand the series because to me, without John Connor, there would be no Skynet, and without Skynet, there would be no John Connor. The whole thing was that paradoxical relationship between the two. That's what made it interesting to me. Okay, so a few things. First of all, um, I will say I haven't actually heard uh, any of those Tim Miller quotes, uh, so this is new information. He was was defending the the decision. I I believe you. I fully believe you. Um, I just hadn't heard it, so I'm sort of. I have that in the back of my mind as I'm okay. talking through this whole thing. Um, I get what he's saying about Sarah Connor always being the sort of focal point behind the whole thing, despite the fact that she's not the one who's going to save the world from the machines and lead this whole resistance. You know, it's really her story throughout a lot of this. You know, the first movie, she was the main character. It, was, it was always Connor. It was always John's story, though, because, you know, the reason all that happens is because of him. Yeah, but she's the mother of John. Securing she his taught him everything he knows. Uh, the fact is that she always was the sort of pivotal force behind him becoming the savior. And, you know, it, it's largely explained that this is sort of the role she's taken on for this new savior. Well, I mean, you know, uh, then we kind of get into the whole causal relationship between the two things because she wouldn't have been any of that without, you know, him existing and sending Kyle Reese back and all of that happening. So, you know, sure. that's where the interest lies is in the whole mystery and implausibility of this whole paradox. And this movie okay. just says, yeah, that no, but yeah. <laughs> okay, so second thing, uh Skynet does not exist in uh 
uh, Dark Fate. Yeah, no, it's um, Legion, it's, which is just a, Skynet with a new paint. A new yeah, it's paint basically on. just it's basically just saying you know it's not an inevitability that Skynet's going to take over the world, but the way but that humanity will. never learns from our mistakes, we keep doing the same shit no matter who prevents it, no matter how much we prolong it. Uh, we just don't learn from our mistakes. I think that's actually a pretty solid message to have. Whatever, if you don't agree with that, whatever, I don't care. I get that, but uh, like, why? Know, I, I can understand the disagreement. But like, why coincidentally do they just make more endoskeleton things with red eyes? <laughs> like, it just does the well, same thing, even though it's completely new, supposedly. Yeah, I mean, it's debatable exactly um, how identical the model is. It could be a slightly different model. Like, you know, since the goal of the T one that or T eight hundreds and later models was really infiltration and learning. Um, the fact that they have sort of changed and reiterated these models, it, it, like that is the default model. If uh, there was going to be a machine that was perfectly capable of infiltration, that's probably what it would look like in some form. Uh, and you, you can definitely tell there are some bodily differences between like Arnold's T-800 and uh, Gabriel Luna's Rev-9. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that's not even just to say that uh, like it's two separate bodies which you know we could argue about uh why that's a weird design choice off all the time but uh um the fact is that there are differences it's not an exactly identical future to what we saw in terminator 2 the other thing i will say and the reason i really didn't like salvation and the reason why i think a lot of fans were sort of mixed on terminator salvation was because you could never really uh, fulfill that prophecy. You can never really make a prophecy um, that was as interesting and as entertaining as the lead up to it with uh, John and Sarah and, you know, them essentially being saved and trying to save the world from this post-apocalyptic future. That, I think, is where the interest comes from. And uh, I think that's probably where they were going with uh, the ending of Dark Fate. I actually saw an interesting proposal because I was um, looking at the opening, a clip of the opening of Genesis, and a lot of people were saying that what they could have done with a trilogy started by Salvation is actually have those movies be prequels to the first Terminator. And, you know, as I said, have it end with the last scene being Skynet sending the, um, you know, Model 101 back to 1984. That, well, that is what cool, they should have it's... done. That, that's great. Because it's almost like a sequel and prequel because, you know, the, a similar thing is going to happen. Well, I guess the, the, the dates would be different. Yeah. Like, they did it more as sequels because, you know, it started in 2018 instead of 1997. And, you know, I still think they could have continued it and done it a similar way. Well, it's sort of clear with both Genesis and, you know, now Dark Fate that they were never really going to do that. They That they were moving further, further away from uh, actually showing the war and yeah. the effects of Moving further the, away the from uprising. continuing the story and instead just rehashing it. Yeah. And ultimately, I think... Another problem I had with Terminator Salvation is that it just looks like every other generic post-apocalyptic movie. Like, to me, I, I just couldn't get behind that this was the future of the Terminator franchise. You know, if it's it, it's it's more to me spectacle than it is story. Well, it was it was more the aesthetic choices because, you know, it wasn't the at night dark thing with the purple lasers because they hadn't gotten there yet within the context of the story. And. I think that's a big problem is that they keep trying to have these people recreate the aesthetic of James Cameron and it's just not going to happen. It's not. They're not going to recreate his aesthetic. They're not going to be able to perfectly replicate his, uh, you know, visual style. They just can't. And it shows. Oh, and another uh, big issue I had was um, 
that kind of, for me spits in the face of T2 after you know Arnold melts himself to get rid of all evidence is that they say oh yeah they just sent a bunch of Arnold's back one for every year so it's like Christmas you just get one every year okay so so to, to be clear my problems because you know I didn't see the movie to be clear my problem is not with it judging it as a movie on its own it's with the story choices it made and how that relates to the franchise and how it continues it and uh yeah as this relates to fan reaction um yeah this movie didn't do that well at all uh last i checked which was oh. like a few days ago it had only a little over 200 million and you know considering the budget was probably close to that and without factoring and you know marketing theater take and all that blah 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 they will barely or not break even on this. So here's what I will say. First of all, uh, it's already made back its production budget. So it's really the marketing budget it needs to make back to actually break even, mm-hmm. um, which could still happen. It's only been out for a few weeks at this point. I, I, I'm yeah, but movies don't. It, it, I don't think it's going to get another 200 million. Okay. Because well, it's not doing we'll good see. in China, right? I, I don't even know if it's been released in China yet. I think like it was. The, I, okay. So maybe it has. We'll see. Um, first of all, or I guess that was the first of all. Second of all, you need to see this movie. Like, if you're going to criticize it in this capacity, I think you at least need to see it to really understand the criticisms behind it and to really, like, sort of get the points I'm making. Uh, you know, I, I think on paper, it sounds a lot worse than it, it did in practice. You know, it's it's actually, I think, functionally a really good movie. The thing is, it doesn't continue it in any way that I would care about. I don't want to see these new characters because that's that's not Terminator to me. Terminator to well, me is, got- is what it was. And well, Arnold and Sarah are still in it, aren't they? <laughs> uh, no, he's Arnold dies at the end and Sarah is alive, but I don't care. <laughs> yeah, Arnold dies at the end of literally every other Terminator movie. Not Genesis. So, yeah, which no one liked Genesis, so who cares? It's okay. Um, well, and here's the other thing. Dark Fate has been the most well-received Terminator movie since Judgment Day. That should tell you that the studio is trying to take fan criticisms into account and trying to learn from the mistakes of these other movies. Um, even if it wasn't like the perfect movie for fans. Yeah, but to me, not in a meaningful, like I didn't, even before it came out, I was saying from, a, you know, when we were talking about it initially that I don't like the idea that they're just rehashing it again, doing the same thing. So, you know, even from that point of view, it's just, it's not interesting to me. Well, you know, we'll see how it does in the future. How does this really tie into fan criticism? Well, like we said, they keep redoing it because people say, no, the old movies were good. The old movies were good. So they keep trying to please people by redoing the old movies. But you can't. You can't redo them. Just do something new. But it's too late now because it's terminated. You are terminated. They won't make another. Yeah, no, I don't think... I I can't imagine they're going to make another sequel after this, even though they were originally making this uh, the start of a new sequel if the film actually did well. Enjoy your trilogy of failed trilogy starters. It goes to show, and this could honestly be a, a uh, podcast for another day. Um, we're running low in time, so we'll try to make this point quickly. Um, the reason why studios sort of make reboots and reshoots and, well, you know what I mean, reboots, sequels, etc., etc. The reason why the state of Hollywood is based on this sort of uh, model of making sort of rehashed material um, ultimately comes down to piracy laws. It's ultimately, um, you know, people try to bootleg and steal movies they know that these movies are guaranteed to get people into the seats except for apparently dark fate um for the most part if fans actually turned out for movies like this and for movies that uh actually were original um 
there would be more of a dependence, there would be more of a funding for original projects. But the fact is, that's just not how the movie industry works right now. Um, and that's something that we unfortunately have to accept or start going to more movies, you know? Yeah, well, there's still a lot of, you know, much smaller movies made like um, just last weekend, I went to see uh, Ford v. Ferrari, which, I mean, I don't know if a $100 million production budget is a small movie, but it's definitely smaller than some of these you know, really huge franchise ones. And, you know, that's yeah, definitely mean, not getting a sequel because it's, it's based on a history thing. So it, <laughs> there's no sequel to that. But yeah, um, I mean, the thing is, yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Ford v. Ferrari. It's getting really good reviews. But yeah, uh, no, the, the thing with the with franchises is because they always want to get merchandising deals and all this other stuff out of it. They want to sell it as a business, which is what I was saying. You know, all these Terminator movies have been made to start a business. And they, yeah, that's that's how Hollywood works. It's a business. They're out to make money. They're not out for your interests, but sometimes if you speak loud enough and you hit them where it hurts in the wallet, maybe they will listen. So keep retweeting, keep complaining when it's necessary, and praise when they do something right. So in keeping with the spirit of hope, I will hope that uh, something we can get into very quickly, that the rise of Skywalker will... Learn from the mistakes made surrounding everything in The Last Jedi and maybe even some criticism of The Force Awakens and try to wrap things up in a meaningful way. And I've heard they have like 15 different endings. What's going on there? There's, I don't know, there's leaks that they don't know how to end it. I've even seen uh, theory crafting that theaters will have a choose your own ending format where you fill, fill out a questionnaire. And like, depending on your answers, they'll they'll say, okay, go to the, see the movie at this time and you'll get the ending you'll, <laughs> you'll most likely to uh, be happy with. I, I don't know what they're doing with it. I see in the trailer, you know, you see ships flying, you see lasers, lightsabers. It's like, well, it looks like Star Wars, but are they actually going to do anything? Well, you know. You know, we'll see. Um, from what I can tell, and, you know, we're tacking this on since we really don't have too much time left if we're trying to meet our hour limit. Um, Man, it it seems like <laughs> it seems like the mixed reaction to The Last Jedi uh, did sort of lead to J.J. Abrams being rehired and them trying to make a more traditional Star Wars movie. It did. Uh, it did. Because remember, Bob yeah. Iger said, you know, I, he said specifically, I think we're going to slow down the pace because we went a little too fast with it because... When Solo came out, big bomb there, everyone sent a clear message to stop it. Stop it, slow it down, consider what you're doing, Disney, and be careful. And so, it looks like maybe they're listening, and uh, uh, good news is is that they have Dave Filoni, who, uh, what is he, the, the creator or like the main director for the Clone Wars series, which a lot of people like. They have him doing The Mandalorian now, first two episodes of which have been well-received from what I've seen. I only watched the first and I liked it, so. Yeah. No, I haven't watched any of it yet. I, I don't even have Disney Plus yet, so uh, I'll have to get back to you on that. Yeah, well, just don't um, pirate it or else they'll come to your house and literally shoot you. <laughs> yeah, well, Disney has that power, you know? <laughs> well, basically, that? you can get away with anything. I saw this one video. Yeah. I think it was called um, Yoda Illegally Pirates uh, the Mandalorian and gets swatted by Disney. And at the end of it, you just see Mickey outside his house with like police cars. And it says, Disney, you hear it? Open up, motherfucker. <laughs> and then you just hear the, the Lego Yoda death sound. <laughs> the darkness has only just begun. <laughs> so, wrapping things up here. 
This has been the Utterly Nonsense Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you know, all the usual social media, plus our numerous podcasting sites, uh, iTunes, uh, that's or Apple Podcasts, that's the big one that we're trying to promote. Uh, Spotify is a Don't one. forget yeah. to subscribe to us on Spotify Plus. Now, if you get Spotify Plus, you can hear us talk even longer, because what we're going to do is we are going to tack on the full length of the podcast, but in reverse. So instead of one hour, you will hear two hours, except with the last hour being the same thing you just heard, but spoken in reverse. And who knows, you might hear some hidden messages there. So subscribe to Spotify Plus and follow us on Twitter Plus. And um, also get us on Facebook Go. <laughs> okay. And, you know, of course, we're on YouTube. That's somewhere where we post a lot of stuff uh, and a lot of more digestible clips if you're into that sort of thing, Sometimes. so subscribe to us there. <laughs> the uh, algorithm kills us, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, and, you know, we're getting a lot more listeners on our audio platform, so thank you if you are a new listener. Thank you for listening for this long. With that being said, this is the Utterly Nonsense Podcast. Thanks for listening. Aided Music. Play us out. <laughs>